0: Wow, thank you James. What a great morning. We've been hearing God speaking and we've got an opportunity to say thank you to Sanya who served us over this last year and uh, he's responding to his own sense of God calling him uh, into something new. He's not quite sure what yet but that'll be exciting to pray uh, for him and Abby as they journey together in this next phase of their adventure. Um, Are you excited? It's a bank holiday. Anybody? Yeah, looking forward to tomorrow off maybe. Um, enjoying the sun. It's been glorious so far, hasn't it? Like, glorious weather we're enjoying today. And uh, it's my joy today to just recap for a moment some of the stuff we've been looking at and gifts of the Spirit and to uh, just cover very quickly how where we've ended up. Because um, I want to look at the next batch of gifts today. And these are really significant for us uh, as well. And I want to just talk about a few of them. But firstly, um, let me just see. We've been talking about how spiritual gifts are these are gifts given by God to individuals uh, to build up others and to build up the church. You'll see that in a moment. Um, all of them are spiritual. All of them are used to serve others. All of them build other people up. All people, rece- all Christians receive those gifts. Um, we all have different gifts and different gift mixes. You can have more than one as well. Um, gifts that you haven't already received, you can seek after. Uh, We've seen that already, and gifts, all gifts are are as important as each other and all have a place in God's kingdom, and all gifts must be used in love. That's some of the things we've seen over the last few weeks. Last week, we were looking at tongues, prophecy, interpretation, and some of those word gifts. Today, I want to look at a different batch of gifts, which I'm calling uh, serving gifts, so all gifts are used to serve, Um, but that's just the name I've put on them. Um, you might be thinking, why is this important? And that's because our vision as a church and the part God's given us to play is that we might, by being changed in his presence and growing in him, see other people's lives changed as we serve our community and as we serve other people. That's why this is so important, because it's not about putting on events and inviting people to them. It's about meeting in God's presence as we encounter God as we've been doing today. And then as that public encounter becomes a private encounter and vice versa. And as we grow in, in, in faith together, as we grow in God together, and we discover what our gifts are and we use those and we put them into practice for the benefit of the church as a whole, but also for the wider world, that other people may be blessed and their lives may be changed, that they might encounter God too and grow in Him and learn to serve Him. This is really important. And we believe that it 's vitally important that everybody plays their part that each one of us learns our gifts and learns how to God has wired us and gifted us and wants to use us for the extension of his kingdom because all of us have a part to play that 's why this is so important. I was reading a report that somebody posted online um, about another church uh, which their involve their involvement in their community is so significant um, that the police chief locally was commenting on it and saying um, how beneficial the church has been to the local community. And other community groups were commenting back in and saying what a difference they've made this one church has made in their community. And I was just thinking about how that connects with our vision, but how we'd love to see that taking place here in Tunbridge Wells, that the town would notice, that people would see, uh, that Christians, not only from this church, but from others as well, are making a difference in their community, that when you go to work, work's different. I having a conversation with somebody else the other day and they were commenting on some of their friends, noting that when they're around them, they feel peaceful and their, uh, their place of work is a place of peace. I thought, wow, how exciting that is, that other people are noticing the, the effect that Christians are having and that's because we're, we're carrying something in the presence of God but also we want to be using our giftings to being a blessing to others. Uh, The gifts we're looking at today are... This is the list we've been looking at and using. The gifts I want to look at today are the ones in blue. Hopefully you can see those. Helping, guidance, serving, encouraging, giving, leading, showing mercy. We're going to look at those as one package today and just look at each of them in in brief detail. And, And they're gifts that all sound practical. Helping... Giving guidance, serving, encouraging, giving, leading, showing mercy. And they can sound less spiritual than miracles, prophecy, tongues, interpretation, some of those other things. Uh, But the first thing I want to say is that these serving gifts are practical and spiritual. These are spiritual gifts that God is giving. And that's important. It's easy to look at our natural ability. And when you look at some of these gifts, you think, well, actually, I could do all those things naturally. And you can but actually what we're talking about today is when God anoints and God gives a gift um, which is from a different source. So he is the source of these gifts and he's the goal of the gifts, the, the abilities. You can, wash, you can wash up naturally, all of us can do that. Uh, but people with a serving gift, as we'll see in a minute, uh, take positions of service and activities that involve serving, motivated by God for a visionary purpose, not just because a job needs doing or because they enjoy the washing up. That's not the point. Uh, but actually, there's, this is all spiritually motivated and with a spiritual outcome. So let's have a quick look at some of these gifts today, because what my, my desire is that across the room today, all of us at some point will go, yep, I identify with that, or yes, I aspire to that. That's my goal, that we should each see, see ourselves at some point and see something that will encourage us today in this. So firstly, serving. Uh, to serve, uh, actually the, the word is underlined here, to wait on tables, it's the same word, to serve, um, that's used in, in the original Greek there. And This is about being led to demonstrate love in practical ways, to meet practical needs. I've put an example up on the screen of a passage in the book of Acts where um, the church is growing and there's a bit of a problem in that uh, some people are being neglected as food is distributed, and one particular group of the church are being neglected and, and they're grumbling. And so, this, the 12, who are the 12 kind of uh, disciples of Jesus um, that, have been, that are there, and 12 apostles leading the congregation there at that time, they gather all the other disciples, all the other Christians together, and they say, It wouldn't be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We'll turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. There's a problem. The apostles have got a solution. And the solution is that the apostles don't get tied up with work that they, they have been doing and have been sort of Trying to keep an eye on, but they've, they're just running out of space and running out of time and they can't do everything. They're saying, Look, we can't stop preaching the word uh, to focus on this. We need some help focusing on this. They're not saying they're above serving, but this problem is too big and would distract them from other things that God's called them to do. Now, the result of this gift of serving being used is really interesting because we read this that um, what happens is the people then choose seven men to serve. And as a result of those men serving, it says this, they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. The result was the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. All because people were getting fed properly and tables were being looked after and the apostles could carry on with their preaching and ministering. The gospel spreads because people are serving. That's exciting, isn't it? Isn't that exciting that the gospel's spreading because people are serving? And, and when you see this gift of serving, it has a deep connection to mission. A really deep connection. It's not about the task. The, the, the waiting on tables isn't the issue here. Those who have, received, who have the gift of serving sense a deep connection to purpose and mission. I've found they're often the, the people who are most excited about the gospel spreading. It's the people who are in the kitchen or somewhere else that are most excited about how the bit they're doing connects with the gospel being spread. That's how you can tell someone's got a gift of serving. If it's become a, just a task that gets done, it's very easy to, to do that task out of the flesh and you get tired and grumpy that no one else is helping. But when actually it's a gift of serving, there's a passion, enthusiasm, there. it's often... Um, those folk I have the conversations with who are saying, I just love the fact the church is doing this, this, and this, and they're energized, even though they're not part of that, on the front line, they are part of it by releasing others to be involved. The gift of serving is usually not the only gift that's given. Um, often people have this in tandem with another gift. And we see this here in that we've got these seven men who are appointed who wait on tables, that's their output of their serving. But as you read the rest of the, the book of Acts, you see that one of them's an evangelist and one of them preaches a great message. Uh, and so you've got preachers and evangelists and others there who are actually chosen to serve at this point. So we're not defined by what one gift that we have may be. We can have multiple gifts. People with a gift of serving also notice what needs doing and get involved with an urgency to help. They also do tasks cheerfully, regularly, and helpfully, often taking up those roles so as to free others and are excited when others are freed up to use their gift. Also, lots of people have this gift. Makes sense, doesn't it, that lots of people have this gift? Because if this was a gift that reserved to three people in a group our size, we'd be struggling. We actually need lots of people to have this gift. Thankfully, God does give lots of people this gift. People often with this gift don't mind taking on unseen tasks. And also often can overlook this as being a spiritual gift because they can often say, well, I'm just doing the practical thing that needed doing. But actually, the enjoyment for it and the motivation for it is spiritual. And it's a spiritual enabling by God. Jesus, of course, tells us, and he elevates this function when he tells us that actually all those who aspire to lead need to learn to serve because all leadership is service in his kingdom. I just want to pause here and uh, before we move on to the next one and just make a comment. Um, We've said a thank you to Sanya. Something else happened this week um, which is that Peter Day gave a set of keys back for the church building here. That might not seem anything to you, um, but Peter and Anne. Peter has had a set of keys for how many years for this building? 30 plus. We have changed the locks in that time. So if you've still got an old set, he's had a new set. Now, you might think that doesn't mean much, but the reason Peter had a set of keys is because for year after year after year, he's served. And uh, we just want to. I just want to pause with the preach and say thank you to Peter for serving so well. Um, Helen asked a question of Anne to say, what can we give Peter that might, how do you respond to Peter's years of service? And she gave some specific instructions. And so, Peter, would you come up here? There's a, there's a shrub which has been bought for you. Come. I'll come down here to you, it's all right, I'm come down to you, it's fine. So this is an example. None of us are perfect, but this is an example of someone who served. And you don't have to be like Peter to demonstrate the gift of serving, but Peter has demonstrated that so faithfully. And, And when I was talking about people whose heart is for mission, but they exhibit that through serving, Peter's one of those guys. Because he's more passionate than anybody else I've met about... People coming to Christ. If there's a baptism, Pete, Peter for years has filled the baptistry. Why? Because he loves filling a tank? No. <laughs> because he loves people getting baptized. And he loves people growing in faith and loves people fulfilling what God wants to do in their lives. So he fills the tank so they can get baptized. That's an example of the gift of serving. Peter, thank you, yes, you for all you you've done much. so many, many years. We and can't no say thank, thank you, me you me. enough, but bless you thank for you. your encouragement. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I haven't got that for all the others, I'm sorry. Um, but that, Peter, that just happened to coincide. It wasn't a gimmick today. Um, and obviously I'm not taking you down to the south side to do the same down there, because um, that would be tricky. Um, gets, it came from Cuts if you want to know the details, and Helen's got a few more details. It fits with the description given, so there we go. Uh, the next gift which we've got to look at today is giving, and that was in our list of gifts earlier on. Um, the gift of giving. And uh, this is obviously people giving their own possessions for the benefit of the kingdom of God, uh, often for individuals, but also often for the church as a whole. One little surprising passage is in Luke chapter 8. We read this of Jesus, that he took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he'd cast out seven demons, Joanna, the wife of Susa. Uh, Herod's business manager, Susanna, and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. We often think of the spiritual nature of Jesus' ministry, that he's sustained by, his, by the Holy Spirit and his relationship with his Father, which is absolutely true. But practically speaking, the only reason Jesus could do his ministry was because a group of women were funding his ministry. It was their giving which funded the ministry of Jesus and the disciples. They sustained him. It's a surprising passage, isn't it? And that pattern continues through the early church as the needs of the church as a whole and the needs of individuals are met by the church gathering together and giving generously. They met the needs to the extent that there were no needy among them at various points. Acts chapter four, verse thirty-six, being an exa- excuse me, being an example of that. And this is one example of someone bringing some. Funds to give, and they, on this occasion, we read this. For instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. It goes on to say the money was distributed and there were no needy among them. Incredible passage. Now, there's something surprising about this from how we do church today. It's not that someone's selling a field and bringing the money. It's not that it went to the apostles. It's not that there were no needy among them particularly. It's that it's public. You think about how we do offerings and how we do giving today. There's a public record of how much Barnabas gave. One field's worth of stuff. We don't know how much the field cost, but he sold the field and brought the money. Now now that kind of rankles almost, partly because we're British and talking about money is very uncomfortable for us. But also because actually we contrast this with Jesus' teaching about not not letting the right hand know what the left's doing. And he's talking into a situation where people are being boastful and prideful about what they're giving and they're doing it for show. Look at me, look at how much I'm giving. Barnabas clearly isn't doing that. This is recorded without any criticism. He's sold the field, he's brought the money and go, there you go, there's the money for the kingdom of God's purposes. So it's it's just interesting that this is recorded here in a public record in the Bible without any hiddenness, without any embarrassment because it's not about Barnabas being elevated. It's about the kingdom of God being established and growing. Another example would be the Macedonians and Paul writes to the church in Corinth and says that God helped the Macedonians in the middle of their very severe trial their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity for I testify they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability it's another amazing passage and like Barnabas's example their giving was inspirational that's why Barnabas's example is recorded because it inspired others to give and it still inspires others to give that's why it's there. Here again, Paul's pointing to others and saying, look what they gave. Isn't that incredible? Maybe you can too. This, ex- this encourages us that giving can be inspirational to others when it's exercised. This spiritual gift encourages. This spiritual gift is a blessing. And this spiritual gift of giving isn't dependent on having enough to give or having lots in the bank because you might be sitting going, well, it's all right for Barnabas, he had a field, I haven't got one. But the Macedonians had very little, in fact, extreme poverty, but they still gave. And those of us who've been involved in, in church life or mission or just life generally will have noticed some people who God has enabled to be incredibly generous with their lack and their little. If you've ever done foreign mission, um, I was thinking when I was writing this of my time in Burkina Faso a few years ago when... Uh, in a prayer meeting for the church, an offering was received for a church plant that was being planted that the people would never go to. They wouldn't visit it, they wouldn't be part of it, they wouldn't see it, they weren't going to connect with it again. But they gave what little they had and they prayed for hours for the sake of a congregation being planted. Such was their generosity. How do you know you have this gift? Well, you look for opportunities to serve, or to give Often people with a gift of giving are excellent stewards holding back what they spend to enable themselves to give. People with a gift of giving are often sad that they can't give more away. And they give generously without ulterior motive. Not to look good, not for the tax back, not for influence. Often people who have the gift of giving earmark am- amounts to give because they sense God is telling them to. And they love following the Spirit's prompting as they give liberally and joyfully. Now, I'm going to pause very briefly here just to say for these last two gifts, as many of the others, if you don't feel you have the gift of serving and you don't feel you have the gift of giving, actually, it doesn't excuse you or me from serving or giving. Because we do these things as a discipline. I'm talking today about the gift, the spiritual gift that's added on top of the discipline. There are those who... And It's not a spiritual gift of prayer, but there are those who are just wired to talk to God and pray. Their passion is prayer. Their devotion is prayer. They love, well, actually, hopefully they love God, not the prayer, if you see what I mean. It's the passion for God which motivates the prayer. But some people, that is exercised in prayer. It doesn't excuse the rest of us, who maybe don't feel that same thing, to stop praying. We're all called to pray, so we're all called to serve, and we're all called to give. And we do those things as discipline. We give our 10% as a discipline, but the gift of giving is on top of that. Let's look at some of these others and I want to see, I'm hoping you're seeing yourself in some of these uh, and hopefully we will by the end as well. This chap pops up again, encouraging. There was Joseph, the one who the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. That's the same verse we had earlier on. This is a cool verse for two reasons. One, because they're giving each other nicknames which are positive. Isn't that nice? How often do we give nicknames? You know, Most of us don't want to remember if you had one, a school nickname. Um, but they're not generally positive. This is a positive encouragement. Secondly, how cool is it that your spiritual gift is being exercised and noticed to the extent that you're given a nickname which represents that, and it's written in the Bible. Your nickname's recorded to the extent that Barnabas isn't called Joseph again. He's called Barnabas each time in the rest of this story. So he's, the Bible itself records his nickname. Just be careful what nickname you're giving people. But Barnabas, he's so encouraging that it oozes out of him such that people go, here comes the son of encouragement. Son of encouragement. Son of encouragement. What a great name to be called as you walk into the room. Ah, it's the son of encouragement. Can we be life-giving as we're speaking into other people? Can we Help them come to life and come call their gifts out of them. Uh, do you know what? As, as we get to the end of this, and you've seen several gifts, I think sometimes it's easier to look to someone else across the room and go, you've got that gift, or to nudge the person next to you and go, you've got this, because th- than it is to see it in ourselves. Sometimes we do ourselves down. But Barnabas, is this is called out of him. And we see this exercised in Barnabas's life when he takes Paul and takes him to the apostles when no one else would. We see it when he's looking after John Mark, when um, Paul doesn't want to take him on a mission and Barnabas is sticking up for him. We see this coming out again and again. An encouragement is a door-opening gift, a strength-giving gift, an enabling gift to lift people up and help them see Jesus, to help them see hope, and it empowers other ministries, sometimes preachers, aren't teachers, they're encouragers, and actually they're wired to bring encouragement. That's their gifting, and that's how it presents. How do you know if you've got the gift? Well, you love to see people built up in faith. You love to bring hope. You love to serve God by motivating others to action. You often have a practical answer to almost any problem that's brought your way. And you derive pleasure from others being encouraged and strengthened. In fact, it goes so far that you're discouraged and can even feel rejected if you're prevented from an opportunity to encourage. If you wanted to encourage and you're not given the opportunity or it's not received, there's almost a rejection that you carry. And you love helping other people change. Some of us can identify those with encouragement because they're the ones we go to when life's tough. And you go, I just need some input. I need some encouragement at this point. You may not want to be around them all the time because they're a bit like Tigger sometimes. And you might feel a bit exhausted. But actually, they're the ones that you go to and you know that they're going to speak good things into your life. And we've all been blessed by that. We come away better. Leadership. Basic meaning of this is one who goes before and brings direction and protection. I've got an example here. This is Paul writing to Timothy. He's been sent to a church, to Ephesus, to a difficult situation. And Paul's writing, command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Timothy's been dropped in, parachuted in, to a very difficult environment where there's been factions and fallout amongst the elders. They've got heresy uh, coming in at them from all sides. The elders are falling out, and and Paul's having to write to Timothy and say, this is how the elders should behave. An elder should be, and then there's a list of requirements that you get because they're not, it's not okay, they're not living right. And he drops in this younger leader to try and sort all this out. Uh, Paul writes again in 2 Timothy, probably just about six months later, and is encouraging him again in this situation, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Later on he says this, I give you this charge, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction leading in this case is spiritual not natural a lot of there's a, lot, a huge amount of resources you can read on leadership and there's a debate about whether leadership leaders are born or made kind of are they born with, a, with an ability to lead or do they learn it through life? I'm presenting a third option, which is actually there's a spiritual gift of leadership, which is different to being born with it, different to having it formed, whilst those two have validity too. But also there's a spiritual gift that God can give That because I don't think Timothy was necessarily the person you'd identify with a natural leadership ability. I don't think he was necessarily the person who'd been on the courses and learned these things through life. Paul's saying there was a gift Given to you when we prayed, fan it into flame. Something changed that you were given by God, fan that into flame. Now Timothy's got more than one gift. He's preaching, he's, he's doing other things as well that come out of leadership, um, but he's a leader. There are plenty of people that could have taken charge in this situation more directly and possibly better than Timothy, but actually they were probably the ones that had caused the problem because they were busy taking charge. Actually, this is about a spiritual gift of leadership that's been given. And as you read through the scripture, we see people through the Old Testament exercising similar things the Gideons, the Davids, the Deborahs, the Esther, who aren't necessarily the people who you would put there, but God seems to, and anoints for that task. How do you know you've got a gift of leadership? You've got a deep desire to help other people reach God given goals. You see the bigger picture. And often see how one thing connects with something else. You've got a deep conviction of a need and you can usually see the solution. You're able to use grace and wisdom to lead to a preferred outcome. And despite your leadership gift, you carry the nature of a servant, not a Lord, serving Jesus. How are we going? Serving, giving, encouraging, leading, showing mercy. There was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. Showing mercy, the definition of it is being led by compassion and offering help to those in need. It's love in action to individuals. We see examples in Jesus' uh, compassion on the, the poor and the needy and the sick. We see com- God having mercy on sinners. And we see here Tabitha or Dorcas doing kind things for others and helping the poor it's an interesting little story because when she dies the church call for help peter's nearby and they say please come and raise her from the dead and peter does raise her from the dead now i don't want to make too much from this next point but when paul dies or peter dies or any of the others die no one calls for them to be raised from the dead (laughs) The church aren't gathering around going quick let's have a go let's see if we can raise them from the dead but when Tabitha or Dorcas dies such has been her impact on the church life and on people on the poor they're saying please will you raise her from the dead we need her we need her alive those how do you know you've got this gift of mercy showing mercy because you're particularly patient it's a God-given gift being patient and compassionate with those who are suffering or afflicted. Some, you're able to come alongside people for a long time, a long period of time. You have a genuine empathy and compassion for those who suffer distress and you show acts of compassion which alleviate need and demonstrate that heartfelt compassion. You're deeply and frequently moved to help others. You weep with the weeping and have an inward tendency and tenderness to the towards the pain of others and you do something about it. Not just feel it, you do something about it. When others are running away from pain, you run towards those in it. Finally for today, um, gift of administration or guidance. And uh, you might be thinking, oh, I thought HELPS was on that first one. I've included it under serving um, because I think HELPS is a practical outworking to individuals of a serving gift, so a lot of texts seem to put them together and I've chosen to do that today. Some versions talk about administration as a gift, some um, versions talk about guidance in the same passage in 1 Corinthians. Administration unfortunately conjures up images of typing and uh, so can give us the wrong idea that there's a spiritual gift of typing when that's not actually the case although I wish my word speed was a bit quicker and I wish my spelling was a bit more accurate. Thank the Lord for spell check. Um, The word here that's used is in in the passage in 1 Corinthians where it's spoken of is a helmsman, someone who steers the ship. They don't own the ship. They don't necessarily set the overall course of the voyage. Someone else has done that and said, I want you to take this bit from there to there. Um, But they're the one who steers around the difficult obstacles, who navigates the way. So it often links quite closely to leadership uh, as well. And the helmsman stands between the owner and the crew and gets the ship round difficult conditions. These are people who organize, direct, and implement plans. There's not a very clear example in Scripture, but I've I've put this one on the screen. Um, I left you on the island of Crete, this is Paul to Titus, so that you could complete our work there and appoint elders in each town as I instructed you. Titus is sent with some basic instructions and a basic direction that's been given to him, but he's the one who's got to administer that and, and outwork it. He's the one who's got to, to bring his gifting to that situation as he leads. This is the kind of gift which builds the plan to get you from A to B. It doesn't decide where B is, but helps you get there. And you often need a good link with a leadership gift. Sometimes you get both in the same person. How do you identify this gifting? Well, if you've got an administrative gift in this way or a gift of guidance, you desire to make arrangements so that other people can complete projects. You love to put steps in place so that vision can be pursued, and you love streamlining and and working out, the clarifying those steps to accomplish a complex task. You're good as a result of this, and you enjoy organizing activities and events and projects. And you're at your best when meeting the needs of leaders. If you've got a passion for that kind of work, it's likely it's a spiritual gift. It is perfectly possible to learn the skills that connect with this, um, and then it's a learned behavior. Uh, but I think the spiritual gift comes as that empowering, that enabling from God, and that connects with those passions that you carry, that God gives you. So how do we sum up some of the things that we've been talking about today? Because I realized I've just rattled through those quite quickly. I didn't go into it as as much depth as last time looking at tongues and interpretation because they're a little bit more unusual. These things we, we identify with, I think we understand them, but what I wanted to do today is say these are spiritual, they're from God, and God has deposited these things in us. So what have we seen? We've seen that their source is God, they're given in grace, they're given to build, and that you can have multiple gifts. My encouragement would be for each one of us not to diminish the gifting God's placed in us, whatever that might be, nor to stop seeking him and for spiritual gifts for the benefit of the church and the wider community. Also, I'd like to say this just before I wrap up. All of us are called to serve. All of us are called to encourage. All of us are called to lead in whatever sphere we're given, to guide, to show mercy as a discipline. We all need to do those things out of discipline at times but there are those that God's given spiritual gifting to, and they do it with particular skill and particular passion as well. Maybe today you've been invited to this church for the very first time and you're thinking, how is this relevant to me? I've just turned up. I kind of got a bit of the singing stuff, but what's all this about? Well, Really, my heart today is that I want you to see the kind of environment that God's potentially calling you into. God's calling us to be a congregation and a church where, where everybody's involved, where everybody's discovering their gifting and using it for God's glory, where, where encouragement is, is seen, where we're seeing people serving, where we're seeing people giving, where we're seeing people leading and administrating and using all the different gifts that we've seen today for the sake of the wider community. That's the kind of people we want to be. And perhaps today is just giving you an insight into that. Uh, You're getting a chance to hear our heart and see that we actually want to be serving others. We want to be encouraging those around us. We want to be bringing leadership. We want to be showing mercy, as God has called us to do. Paul writes in Romans 12, um, when he's writing about these different gifts, he's got the greatest encouragement on what you do next. So this is what I'm going to leave us with he says if your gift if God has given you the ability to prophesy speak out with as much faith as God's given you if your gift is serving here we go serve well if you're a teacher teach well this is a profound one if your gift is to encouraging to encourage others be encouraging we can do this can't we if it is giving give generously. See how practical he's being. If God has given you a leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others or showing mercy, do it gladly. He goes on, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. That's my prayer. See, this isn't about us at all. It's not about me, knowing my gift so that I might feel better about myself alone. It's much more significant that we understand how God's wired us so that we can show love to others in whatever form that takes for us. Um, I'd like us to pray, but I'd like a response, I suppose, because this has been quite practical, and, but quite brief. I just wonder if some of us have connected with these gifts. So I'll, I'll just read, I'll put maybe if I can go back, there's quite a lot of cycling through to do. Here we go, the blue ones. I don't know if you can see these. Helping guidance or administration, serving, helping is the one I said was included in serving, encouraging, giving, leading, or showing mercy. Would you just, you're not being boastful, but if you've identified with one of those and you thought, yeah, I I think I see that in me, would you just put your hand up if you've seen one of those in you today? If you think the person next to you should have their hand up, would you nudge them? They don't. Not everybody has to. But if you know them well and you think they should, just encourage them. Now, have a look around. Would you have a look around? We don't usually do this for a response. See, see the hands. There's a lot of hands up. Now we could have been more specific and gone down the name by name. Thank you. You can pop your hands down. Be encouraged at the gifting God has given, but let's use it for His glory and for His kingdom, and let's love others. Lord, we thank you for the gifting You've given. I realise this is a whistle stop tour over some of those things which are so important. But we thank you, Lord, that as we look across this room, you've placed things in us for others. And we pray that we'd be able to bring the gifting we have and use it for your glory and use it to love and serve and build up and lead and bless others. In Jesus' name, amen.